So hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Yale College Voices. And for those who don't know me, I'm your host, Therese Corey. And I'm thrilled to introduce you to today's guest, my colleague, Ferenc Lafarge. Uh, so welcome, Ferenc. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So, Ferenc, I'm going to read your, your bio and then we'll just have a conversation. So Sounds great. Awesome. awesome. All right. So, uh, Ferenc, is Yale College's Associate Dean of Residential College Life. Prior to stepping into this role in July of 2023, uh, Ferens was Sabre College's Residential College Dean from 2018 to 2023. He also serves as the Director of Yale College's Mellon Mays and Edward uh, A. Boucher uh, Undergraduate Fellowship Programs. Much of Ferens's work in higher education centers around infusing what he refers to as the three pillars of student life on campus. And these include uh, helping a student develop a sense of self, a sense of place, and a sense of responsibility. In other words, who am I, where am I, and what am I called to do? Therefore, whether the setting is a one-to-one meeting with a student, a group training session with Yale College's first year counselors or FROCOs as we call it here at Yale College, or, or being present as the Mellon and Boucher students uh, present, present their work, uh, Ference is always actively looking for opportunities to facilitate students thriving, inching closer to their goals, and finding a way to embrace where they are currently, uh, uh, I'm sorry, where they are currently present uh, be it in their residential college or the city of New Haven more broadly. So Ference is also uh, an author. So he's the author of Songs in the Key of My Life. His writing has appeared in many venues, such as uh, 215 Mag, America's Quarterly, The Huffington Post, Next Mer- American City, Social Science Research Council, and Social Tax Periscope. Ference's work outside of academia also extends into ventures as varied as direct marketing or district marketing, I'm sorry. Uh, from 2007 to 2009, he served as director of the organization Nostrin Park, which, is, which was devoted to promoting small businesses and the arts along the Nostrin Avenue corridor in Crown Heights. Prior to completing his PhD in African American, and American Studies at Yale University, Ferens earned a BA in Africana Studies and English at Queens College, CUNY. The list of colleges and universities where he has either delivered presentations or served on staff include the Catholic University of America, Williams College, Eugene Lane College, Dartmouth College, University of California, Irvine, University of California, Riverside, Tufts University, and Wesleyan University. And so here are a couple things that I learned about Ference uh, that I didn't know until now. Uh, so Ference, you're currently working on two manuscripts? Uh, yes. And, you know, uh, I think that's as aspirational as much as anything. Yeah. <laughs> great, great. I can't wait to hear more. Uh, and, and you're also of Haitian descent? Yes. So I'd, I'd love to hear more about that when, when we have our conversation. So again, welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to uh, do this today and being a brave soul of, of all of our uh, podcast guests. So I'm, I'm really happy that you decided to join me today. 
Oh, uh, it's my pleasure. Awesome, awesome. So can you share some insights just about um, maybe growing up or your early college years and how, how that shaped your values and interests? Yes. So I was born in Haiti, um, but I grew up in Jamaica, Queens, ah. um, New York. Mm-hmm. So I migrated to the United States when I was five years old. And I've lived either, you know, now New Haven actually is um, on verge of eclipsing New York City as a place that I've lived the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's my parents uh, and I have one younger sibling. Mm-hmm. I can't call him my little brother anymore. Yeah. <laughs> He's a you know grown man, uh, nor am I you know young enough to be just saying like little. <laughs> uh, so we grew up, uh, went to public schools all, all my life, um, and I tell people that Yale, when I came here as a graduate student, was the first place, the first school that I ever um, attended where I couldn't walk from my parents' apartment in Queens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or at least it'd be a very long walk, you right. know, if, if I did try it. But, it, it, you know, um, but uh, went to Jamaica High School, um, which I really loved. Um, got a chance to play uh, baseball in high school. And I really um, found, I think, one of my first real passions, uh, which was journalism. Mm -hmm. So I worked at the school newspaper. I worked for a citywide paper, did a several um, journalism internships, both Mm -hmm. in high school and college. Mm -hmm. And really, when I first went to Queens College, I thought that I was going there with the, uh, you know, with the aspiration of one day becoming the, um, uh, a sports columnist for one oh, of really? the for the New York for one of the New York papers. Um, I envisioned that I'd be spending a good chunk of my adult life covering the Knicks, Yankees, <laughs> or any of the you know New York teams that mm-hmm. I grew up um, watching and enjoying. Um, but my first year, I had a wonderful English professor, um, June Bob, mm-hmm. um, who I'm still very close to. Um, and she put the idea of graduate school and pursuing a PhD oh, wow. um, into my mind. And um, I didn't embrace it at first. I'm going to be <laughs> honest about that. I was like, no, I'm here to be a journalist. Um, <laughs> but uh, by the time that I was sophomore year, um, the idea of spending um, an incredible amount of time reading, reading stuff that I mm-hmm. l- love and writing about things that I enjoy, mm-hmm. um, just became so tantalizing. And so, um, yeah, I, I did a Mellon Mays fellowship when I was an undergraduate at Queens College, oh. uh, which helped me to, you know, set the path uh, for doing the PhD in African American studies. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that that experience at Queens College um, really taught me was that um, I was really interested. I, I didn't know it at the time yeah. um, in what is, I guess now, you know, student life or student affairs. Um, I spent a great amount of time helping different campus organizations do programming. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for the school news. I worked for the college newspaper. I was an editor of the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and teaching, you know, teaching and maybe even at the K-12 level was something that always stayed in the back of my mind. And what I was trying to, I didn't realize this at the time, but I guess what I was really looking to reconcile was how do I find a way to do these things that I really, really enjoy? Mm -hmm. Um, Being in a school or classroom setting 
and working with young people. Um, um, And over time, um, I think I ended up finding the spaces in a career, um, whether it was serving as a literature professor or over the last, um, you know, decade and a half being an administrator and a different number of capacities at mm-hmm. colleges and universities, which have allowed me to get some time in the classroom, get a significant amount of sort of one-on-one and kind of student development time um, as well mm-hmm. and working with students both in and out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of how I got to the point where I am today. Oh, that's awesome. And so what... Um you know, before you completed your uh, PhD, like all, all of the experience you had uh, prior to that, like how did it shape into your community engagement and advocacy and things like that? Um, I was the first person in my family to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I didn't have a blueprint for what, for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that I did or I've done in my life have been trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had really great mentors, but at the same time, uh, there was not an immediate blueprint for, mm-hmm. for what I was trying to do. And But there was one thing that always stood out, that I benefited greatly from people who uh, looked out for me, um, people who either took me under their wing both directly or indirectly, and I always had a, a sense, a feeling, or a desire to give back. Oh, and awesome. so from the time that I was in high school, mm-hmm. working as, not working, but um, volunteering in my church, I grew up mm-hmm. Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I coached CYO basketball for mm-hmm. several years. Yeah. Um, both in high school and college. Um, you know, later on in life, I would volunteer. I, I remember the first time that I, it really hit me that um, early childhood education or sort of elementary education was not my calling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was doing an after-school program for third graders, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the program was a basically to have them do a a mini production Mm -hmm. and using poetry as a way of getting them interested and excited about writing. Mm -hmm. And with the goal of the production, sort of the the performance, Mm -hmm. they were great. They sort of, uh, they were there every week. Mm -hmm. They were excited every time Mm -hmm. that they did the reading. Uh, You know, we would read the verse or two, um, from the poem we're doing, uh, this was in Brooklyn, so I, I remember as a series of June Jordan poems, and uh, and they were really good at that part. Mm-hmm. But the day after the presentation, mm-hmm. I remember going back to the program and I said, "All right, we're gonna." And they said, "You know, we're gonna, you know, this is what <laughs> we're reading today." And they said, "No, we're not." <laughs> I'm like, "Wait a minute, no, 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 this is what we're reading," and yeah. they just started running around. Really, <laughs> and first, and the other thing is that the auditory, the, the stage, um, 
was also you know what the auditorium was also the the gym yeah, of yeah. this of, of this school so they're like no yeah. we're, we're playing dodgeball <laughs> right. uh they were jumping off the stage uh-huh. and there was no way that i was felt as if yeah. i knew how to reel them in i was yeah, like okay yeah. Um, you know, the community service thing is, is still, uh, I'm still down for that. Yeah. But if I ever had any aspirations of being an elementary school right. teacher, that was wiped away at that moment. Interesting. Um, but I, but at the same time, I also really, I just really liked it. I just yeah, really liked yeah. the opportunity to get to know these other folks right. who were in my community, who I would outside of maybe this context, yeah. not, you know, not, not, interact. not inter- interact with them as closely. Right, right. Yeah, it's always interesting. Um, uh, it takes a, it's a special talent to, to deal with, <laughs> with elementary, like, energy level, you know, and, yes. and their attention span and, and all of those things. So it takes a great amount of creativity. Yeah, yeah, to keep them engaged all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was re- really fascinating to hear that uh, about your journey. So um, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, you mentioned that you had uh, uh, mentors and people who looked out for you during your college years and mm-hmm. uh, that you were a first gen uh, uh, student. Um, and I, so I'm curious, how, how did you find those mentors or, or, you know, did did they seek you out, or did you have to seek out that information, or or how that came about? Um, it grew out of a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. One, a, the, a lot of children of immigrants have similar stories, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're from countries where, um, at least in relation to the United States, mm-hmm. English is not the the primary language. So. As a young person, I, I remember as young as seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. I was translating documents mm-hmm. for my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the phone with, you know, I was calling the phone company, yeah. uh, you know, uh, various utilities. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, strangely, I think maybe in third or fourth grade, talking to my parents' accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, um, around tax season, and I'm like, wow, you know, wow, <laughs> it's it's b- bizarre. Sort of yeah. seems surreal to me now. Mm-hmm. And so what that did, which is I, which ironically was sort of a contradiction to um, a lot of kind of you know what might be some some of the cultural norms in a Haitian um, or a, in a Caribbean community mm-hmm. where. A young person, a child, is expected to stay out of um, adults' business. Right. But here I was. I'm I'm in the thick right. of their business, yeah, right? So yeah. I'm I just got it was a ne- necessity. It was definitely a necessity. Yeah. But I so it made me comfortable talking mm-hmm. to adults. Interesting. And so I'd have conversations with my teachers, mm-hmm. and it just never, <laughs> it just never dawned on yeah. me that that's what a teachers, the principals. Um, I had an after-school job pretty earlier yeah. on, so uh, I think I was 13 yeah. when I started working after school at a dry cleaners, mm-hmm. and everyone in there, who all the customers were coming in were, mm-hmm. were adults, so I just mm-hmm. got used to talking right. to um, folks mm-hmm. and asking them questions about themselves. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of, I think, the journalist in me and the storyteller, right. um, just curious, and that 
sort of transferred into, I think, people taking some interest um, in me. Yeah. You know, some of it was, who's this kid that's just <laughs> just, just talking to us asking and, asking, yeah. and, and asking questions? <laughs> and then, you know, occasionally it's like, oh, okay, you know, maybe this is a person um, right. who has something to say and, um, and we could look into. Mm-hmm. And growing up, it the whole idea of kind of mentorship and people looking out for uh, me um, and a person like me sort of emerged in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, <clears throat> I think it was my, either, no, it was my first year in college. So I, I would take the, the bus. So Queens College is, or at least at the time that I was there, was um, entirely a commuter school. Mm-hmm. So and I was still living at, at home in my parents' house, and um, and I would occasionally still work in the afternoons at the cleaners. Mm-hmm. And one day I was working, and uh, one of the guys, um, you know, one of the customers came into the store, and he says to me, and so, somebody told me that you were um, out on the block at like 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And I go, yeah, um, <laughs> I was waiting for the bus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had, you know, I think a lot of the students here could relate to this. Um, I, I was taking a, a French class and mm-hmm. language classes are notoriously early in the mornings. Right. I said, yeah, I, I was waiting for the bus to go to school. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Because he uh. goes, because I know that, you know, you're not one of those knuckleheads and, I, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that's not you. Mm-hmm. And it struck me, I was like, wait a minute, uh, here's this person who... Um, yeah, definitely knows me from the context of this cleaners, right. but his impulse when uh, he sensed or sort of got any information that, <laughs> that I might be doing something that, right. that I shouldn't be engaged in right. was to come out and um, check me and on it. To, yeah. And I really appreciated that. Right. And I And it just dawned on me how many other folks outside of my teachers and instructors who mm-hmm. took that level yeah. of interest to making sure, even though I was never straying from the right path, was mm-hmm. making sure that 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 indeed was remaining true. Right, right. And that level of you know um, accountability, um, the kind of each one teach one, the it takes a village. Yeah. Those are things that uh, I brought with me mm-hmm. into. So many of the classroom settings as a student and um, I think in many ways as myself as an educator. So when I got to college and I found a professor mm-hmm. that I liked, I, was, I just, I just <laughs> did what I always did. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> talked to them. Right. Oh, that's amazing. I, I love that story because, and this has come up in other uh, episodes where, um, you know, there there are some students just like you who who you know, they just have that knack for, uh, hey, just start a conversation and get to know people and ask questions and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, don't have a problem doing that. And then there are other folks who, um, and I've mentioned this in in earlier episodes where they're more on the introverted side and and maybe don't know who to reach out to, or or maybe they do and they're just shy or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm curious about, um, how did you pull all of your experience, like everything you just mentioned, into mentoring students who are who are like that, who are uh, maybe less 
extroverted and or you know shy or uh you know introverts or um you know nervous about asking for help or or mentoring so how do, how did how do you pull that experience into what you do now and and as as your role in uh in the college it's it's difficult it's 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 a constant um evolution most mm -hmm. people who uh know me would probably say actually uh, pretty much everyone who knows me um tends to say that, that I'm quiet or fairly reserved <laughs> and then they're a whole then they're a hoax you know after a while they yeah. they really get to know me and they're like oh he's you know he's, he's a straight fool um so there's a bit of that right. to it yeah yeah um and what i realized from having also the habit or of just sitting back and listening mm. um, is that the person who's talking is not necessarily um, the one who is the, the smartest in the room mm -hmm. or the one who deserves to be the leader or driving the conversation. Mm. And um, I say this to students um, quite often when they, uh, you know, if, if a student hasn't been participating in class and they're saying that they're they're lost or that the questions that are being asked are not things that they're following mm. and i try to get them to realize well as a professor if you're not asking the question um it's hard for us to answer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and if you're not asking questions we're taking the class or the the conversation in a number of different places right. based on the feedback. Yes, yes. So, so much of teaching and working with young people mm. is a call and response. Mm. On a one-to-one on a -one level, there's it takes a just level of patience and being able to sit in silence or the um, um, sit in the discomfort of silence at mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. um, to allow people the space to start talking and to come mm -hmm. out. But when we're talking about group settings, mm -hmm. it's finding and creating opportunities to allow those who maybe who don't talk the most, mm -hmm. um, students who are maybe very reserved or introverted or mm -hmm. anyone, even if it's not students, we're talking within mm -hmm. the context mm -hmm. of colleagues too, an opportunity um, um, to share that to share their voices. Right, right. Um, there are times when I, I I've been very much blessed where I didn't say anything during a, a class or mm -hmm. a meeting. And when I finally spoke, I, I felt really affirmed. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I always remember those yeah. um, experiences. So I try to do um, the same for others. Mm -hmm. And then over time as a educator, you, you just begin to realize like, okay, how do I meet? students how do i meet them where they are mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um how do i create a, a classroom space where it's not just a person with the highest verbal acuity who mm -hmm. is going to be driving or leading mm -hmm. what are other ways or other uh, models of leadership or mm -hmm. being at the forefront right. that we can um, amplify mm -hmm. we can put forward as models and allow, um, uh, you know, invite other folks to emulate. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love that because um, even from my own personal experience, you know, s- stepping outside of my comfort zone, uh, you know, doing the podcast as we, you know, we were talking about on the way over here. Um, I primarily, you know, I'll, I'll do the tech tech stuff and I'll, uh, you know, behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. doing this, um, you know, it was this step outside of, of, uh, comfort zone for me because I've never, I've never done it before. What really didn't have an interest <laughs> in doing a podcast. Um, or but maybe you did it in a different medium. I, yeah. I think maybe a lot of the work that you do in terms of communications, um, kind of web design, imaging, mm. is really bringing out stories or yeah, um, bringing out um, uh, narratives, mm-hmm. but just in a different way. So right. you've been talking to people at the university, but just in different contexts. In different contexts. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and I And I wanted to touch on... Uh, a couple things that you had mentioned um, a few minutes ago, just to, uh, kind of taking a step back in terms of your your childhood and being uh, an interpreter, basically uh, for for your family and for your parents, um, that actually came up too in in a previous episode with with Daisy Abreu, um, and it was almost like you you know you became an adult at in in a sense you know yeah. uh, at age. You said four was eight, the first time you or eight, eight? You know, eight or eight or nine, eight yeah. or nine, yeah. Like it, it, in terms of interpreting important information for for others, and I. So I imagine that in doing so, you. It was almost like you. you not only are you interpreting language wise, but you're interpreting in a way that uh, your your parents felt comfortable or you know accepted and and how that kind of carried over into you know the approach that you mentioned in in terms of how you you Mm -hmm. work with students um so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more um since we're talking about your current role um oh one more thing though one thing that I in both I grew to learn in hindsight about Mm -hmm. that experience Mm -hmm is that I didn't realize um, what were. So it made me good at being um, an advocate mm-hmm. for myself, but only to a certain level mm-hmm. um, because there are things that I just didn't know about mm-hmm. in the world right. that I couldn't um, or I didn't know to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes, when mm-hmm. it came time to... Um, you know, we, we talked about our, our kids um, who are both in in the uh, New Haven public school system. Mm-hmm. When I'm applying, when my kids are now applying for schools, I'm filling out all the applications. Right. When right. I was their age, I was the one filling out. So there are things wow. that I, there are things that I did not know yes. to look for. Yes. Um, New York City has, um, you know, specialized high schools, mm-hmm. uh, for example, and so I knew that they existed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that it was how, how to prepare for the test, how to take a test, or when yeah. to take a test. Right. Um, those were things that just, I was like, yeah. oh, I know somebody yeah, went to Stuyvesant. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I'm pretty, you know. Yeah. Um, and that, 
I wouldn't say it placed a quote, you know, a cap or a ceiling, mm-hmm. um, or, or at least one that could that couldn't be moved, mm-hmm. but it did put some parameters that I didn't know right. at the time because um, there are things that as confident that I was at times as a student, um, I am still not an adult. And uh, so there was never the case or the feeling that my parents were coming back in mm-hmm. as the Calvary. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was something that I was really questioning mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. about, you know, whether it was my schooling or, um, or even when I was, you know, trying to advocate uh, for them at times, mm-hmm. um, people were like, oh yeah, we're talking to this kid. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's he's not an accountant. He's not a mm-hmm. lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, whatever he watched on TV to learn about uh, <laughs> some some yeah some legal jargon. Yeah. <laughs> that's as that's as much as you know we're gonna get out of him. Really. So since you mentioned that, um, it's a topic that has come up before in in previous episodes is that. Uh, some students just, you know, we figured it out as we went along because we didn't have the resources or understanding to ask, you know, to ask questions, but also to know who to ask uh, questions. Um, and that's, you know, I, I know I touched on being reserved or introverted, but um, in in my own experience, you know, there were certain things that I figured out, like I could figure out on my own, but there are other things that I thought I was figuring out on my own, but I had, you know, I really had no idea and didn't have a mentor available to, to help guide me along the way. So there were opportunities that, you know, I, I missed because I, I didn't even realize they were available or, you know, what I had to do to apply for these things. And and so now, like you said, I, I approach it differently with my own children. Um, so I'm curious, uh, you know, since you mentioned that, um, how, how do you, how do you guide students now here at Yale college? Um, and I know there are all sorts of resources and, and I mean, you know, there's a wealth of resources available and, uh, the key is communicating that to students, but also, um, you know, I, I've always been curious. It's, it's sort of a, you know, I always hear about s- students don't like emails. They don't, you know, they don't want to read emails. So how, how have you managed to, to communicate these things to students and, you know, to let them know what, what they do have available uh, to them as, as uh, Yale College students and what the resources are here? It's um it's so nuanced because uh to your to part of your point mm-hmm. that there are just uh um, so many resources mm-hmm. on campus mm-hmm. the the sure volume the sheer volume of resources can sometimes be overwhelming, overwhelming yeah. um to anyone on this campus right. um, students <laughs> staff mm-hmm. and if you are not if you didn't grow up in a culture or a space mm-hmm. where things felt abundant, mm. um, it's hard to a be able to navigate or really, really 
um, appreciate. And I don't mean appreciate mm-hmm. in like like yeah, or dislike, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, appreciate in terms of um, being able to really absorb and build upon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I always take that into consideration mm-hmm. that um, there are students who know these things are out there mm-hmm. and who maybe sometimes just for good reasons don't want to engage mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. There are those who don't know. And there and that's kind of a simpler thing. It's a little bit of, hey, did you know you can mm-hmm. go here? Right. Um, did you know that you can go to the Porvu Center and find a, um, a writing partner, mm-hmm. uh, learn more about writing tutoring or find a tutor for one of your um, quantitative classes or a mm-hmm. science class mm-hmm. or um, you're dealing with a breakup. Okay. Do you know, we have this great program called Yale college community mm-hmm. cares, YC three, mm-hmm. there are these wellness specialists uh, who can talk you through uh, this thing that feels life shattering in the moment. Right. But which you um, really um, can persevere and mm-hmm. you have all the skills. Right. Um, it, it's just a matter of being able to talk to someone. Um, you know, you're really interested in uh, African-American studies. Well, we have a whole department of scholars. <laughs> right. And, you know, whether it, you're interested in it from a musical perspective, mm-hmm. art history, literature, mm-hmm. political science, there are all these folks you, you can go talk to. Right, right. Um, so there's that, right? Yeah. There's also the fact often we find ourselves when overwhelmed, just frozen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where do I go? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And is this just a point where I need the space? Yeah. And the time to not act. Um, and I've learned over time to be patient with students in that regard too. Mm-hmm. Early on in my career, it was a lot of, oh, we got to, you know, mm-hmm. you got to do this now. You got to right, do this right. now. You know, time is, you yeah, know, yeah. you're only here for 40, for four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, do it while you're young. And... <laughs> do it while you're young. Uh, but now I've come to be more of, Okay, I recognize that you're going to do this at your own at your own time. Mm-hmm. How can I support you in that? How can we allow you to pace yourself mm-hmm. in a way that's comfortable to you, mm-hmm. but doesn't undermine um, your long term um, objectives? Right, right. While I'm by no means. Um, 100% accurate on this. What about my my perspective in, just in terms of experience, mm-hmm. um, being older, mm-hmm. can I offer that might be able to inform some of the ramifications mm-hmm. of these decisions? Realizing that ultimately mm-hmm. uh, there's so many components of our backgrounds that are mm-hmm. going to be very, they are very different in right. terms of how you um experience the, these things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and if i'm wrong mm-hmm. 
that could be, you know, that's that's a blessing too, right? right that, right. you know, you're not going to be faced by this obstacle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the event that I'm right or my experience or the, what I've learned from others is mm-hmm. accurate, um, I'm sh- sharing with you some insight that mm-hmm. hopefully that I wish maybe in some cases someone had shared with me mm-hmm. or yes. someone had shared, you know, or someone else in your perspective right. probably wishes someone had shared with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. You know, and as you as you're speaking, it literally reminded me. I told you my my son's twenty, so mm-hmm. um, we've had these conversations where I had I, I had a moment um, right around his you know senior year, going into college, and and I had to realize that he's not my clone. You know, <laughs> it was that this realization came over me like he's he's not my clone. He's not. Um, my chance to do everything I didn't do in college and realizing that it's this is his journey and I'm here to facilitate that but not try to craft his journey around all of the things I didn't get to do or mm-hmm. um, yeah it, it, it was funny when I came to this realization because I, I actually felt a little guilty because I, you know imagining the pressure that he probably felt um, with all of these things that I, I said, yeah, you know, I was so on it about you have to do this and do that while you're young and you have time, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. have all the time in the world. And, and uh, yeah, and, it, and it's so true. It's like everyone's different, right? And, uh, you know, realizing that everyone's journey is different. Right. And, you know, even with my, my own child, it, it, his journey is just different from mine. And, and giving him the space to uh, figure things out, you know, and, and figure out what, what he wants to do and, and all of those things without the pressure, you know, without, right. without that pressure. I learned that I was confronted with that um, fairly early on and continue to be confronted with it um, through various stages of parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, my <laughs> brother is six years younger than me. So when he was applying to college, um, by that time, I was, I think, a second year graduate student or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, uh, you know, this was back in the day when the college guides was that big, yeah. thick um, <laughs> Princeton, you know, the, the Princeton guide and right. the USA Today um, list of colleges. Mm-hmm. And so I did the, you know, thing that any other big brother who's yes, now yes. attending an Ivy League school mm-hmm. would do. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, multi, I got the Princeton one and I got right, the US, right. US News and World Reports. That's the, the, the colleges. Mm-hmm. I got those for him. And um, I was very kind of, sort of hawkish <laughs> yes. over his um, his um, application essay, yes. something you know mm-hmm. no one really did for me. Right. At least no one in the house. Yeah, I was yeah. hawkish and how he had to, you know, don't just um, uh, apply to the CUNY and uh-huh. SUNY schools. Mm-hmm. SUNY's the State University of New York. It's mm-hmm. the uh, uh, other four-year college system. Um, 
I said, you know, you know, there are these schools out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> there are these small liberal arts colleges. Right. There's a, you know, there's this place called Amherst. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Um, this other place. Um, uh, uh, in, uh, I remember it was like um, Swarthmore, right, Bowdoin, right. <laughs> and you know, you gotta look into these yeah. things. Uh, you know, your experiences don't have to be. Like mine, I, I just know I've been out in the world. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he said, eh, I don't want to. Uh, yeah. And right. I said, what do you mean you don't want to? Yeah, yeah. He said, I, I don't want to. Yeah. And what really got me, um, uh, I sort of, he said, look, you went to Queens College. Mm-hmm. You seem to be doing a pretty good job. You know, right, right. <laughs> it turned uh, out great. <laughs> you, you seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah. Why do I need to sort of create this stress? Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't need to take on debt. And mm-hmm. I was like, huh? <laughs> all right. You're, yeah. Uh, so there's a it's you know realization. There's that realization that for me it was like, oh my gosh, my younger brother can have a whole different yeah, experience. Yeah. All these things. Right. And he is having. He did end up having a very different experience because right. he's a different person. Right. <laughs> but he was also what the way that he was informed by my decisions mm-hmm. was not necessarily the way that um, I was trying to project them out. Right. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, just mm-hmm. time and again, uh, that lesson comes back up yeah. as a, as a parent um, and, uh, as a friend, mm-hmm. as a educator, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like that. It's a hard realization, right? It's because you, when, at least for me, when I think back, um, whether there were you know mistakes or missteps and things that I wish I knew along the way, or because I'm always imagining where would I be if I had done just this one thing and and um and yeah but it, it was a hard realization for me to say this is it's not my journey <laughs> like this is someone else's journey um but giving him space to, so that they know that I can help facilitate whatever they want their mm-hmm. journey to be not what I <laughs> not what I want the journey to be um so it was it was a tough um uh, you know, that, that moment, it was like an aha moment, you know, and, and realizing that, yeah, this is, this is his life. It's not, it's not, it's not mine, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's real. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where what is hard for, in this case, um, the, you know, your child or loved one to realize is, I just really want the best for you. Right, you just want the best, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what's hard for for us or as you as a person mm-hmm. giving the advice or trying to shield or protect is um, there's going to be a time where you just don't know right. what what's best. Right, that's true too. Very true. And yeah, and I, and that's what it boils down to. Even so, you know, whether it's your children or working with the students, it's like you just you just want the best for them and and hope to help mm-hmm. them achieve what whatever that is. Um, 
so it's just really inspiring. And I, so I'm curious, was, was there a sort of, uh, when you think back on what, I don't even know how many thousands of students that you've probably worked with over the years, uh, but are, is there like a specific success story that, that uh, immediate com- immediately comes to mind when, when you think of all the students that you've, that you've helped o- along the way? Um, it's what I was not fully prepared for mm-hmm. and which I am really uh, relishing now is watching my students um, become I, I taught high school for several mm-hmm. years. Uh, I, you know, taught first year college classes. Mm-hmm. So watching my students just become full on adults, adults and yeah. just having <laughs> these lives. Right. Um, the other day, I was on Instagram and I saw one of my students uh, with his two daughters. Mm-hmm. He had it posted a series of pictures of them just playing. You know, him mm-hmm. rolling around with them and playing out. And, you know, he's, he was a great person in, when he was in college, mm-hmm. but I was just, look, you know, yeah, his, yeah. he had a, <laughs> yeah, his beard, his beard now yeah. was, had some gray in it and I go, oh my gosh, right, like right. this is, this is, this is just beautiful. This yeah, is just yeah. a beautiful thing to, um, uh, to behold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, had students uh get prominent awards mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just like the sense of uh one of my uh former students uh won a Pulitzer a couple of years ago and oh, I'm wow. like oh my gosh that's I was amazing like, I was like that's great we <laughs> know, won right yeah I was, like, I was like we won it <laughs> yeah I was like, my you know those essays you yeah, wrote for yes. my class um that I'm sure cool. they helped um <laughs> but uh awesome. it's just watching them step into their own truth right right um uh because of social media mm-hmm. you know i they some some of them will keep up with me mm-hmm. some of them will so i've seen been to weddings uh seen weddings uh-huh. uh um ex- seen them like bounce back from yeah. from loss from, yeah, and, yeah. and grief right. uh seen them take out take risks that mm-hmm. uh i would not have right. foreseen <laughs> yeah um but it just makes me so inspired and yeah. then there are times when the risks that they're taking i'm like wow this is great i mean yeah. like this is you know talking about the sort of the things that you wish you'd done like right. this is the kind of stuff that um um i wish yeah that, you know that i had made uh, occasional decision to like i wish mm-hmm. i had tried that yeah, yeah. um so those are kinds of the success stories, just mm-hmm. watching them grow into their own. Yeah. yeah. Um, and occasionally, you know, there there are one or two who will uh, call me and and um, share a share an anecdote, something mm-hmm. that I probably uh, had not even noted at the time wow, yeah and so those are always yeah. um, amazing too oh that's that's awesome because yeah yeah because i i can only imagine that it could be something small that you've done along the way and you don't even realize 
you know, whatever impact you had on, on the student at the time and it resonated with them for some reason over the years. And this has come up in, in uh, other episodes too, where it's like just that uh, interaction that you had with the student can just have this lifelong uh, impact, which is amazing because it, and then for them to remember, like just to reach out to you re years later mm -hmm. um, shows that, you know, whatever time that you spent with them w was meaningful, you know, and it, yeah. and th that's an, that's an amazing feeling to think, Oh, that, you know, the work I do. And I'm sure that there are days where it's like, yeah, you're just doing the work, but you forget like this, this has a really long-term effect and that's a amazing feeling, you know? Yes. So. Yes, absolutely. There are times that, um, I, I, I'll just stumble upon a story about a student. Like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, that's just, <laughs> that is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, your authoring. Uh, so the book you uh, authored, Songs in the Key of My Life, um, which I love that title. Um, and, of course, I immediately think of Stevie Wonder. So, yep. <laughs> so I'm curious if you could tell us about... Um, uh, about that book and then also how your uh, writing sort of intersects with with uh, your work here at, in the college. So Songs in the Key of My Life mm -hmm. is um, inspired by the Stevie Wonder uh, album Songs in the Key of Life. Mm -hmm. And it's a series of vignettes mm -hmm. um, about memorable songs connected to uh, memorable moments in life. Mm. Um, the Genesis, like so many, uh, pieces of art was, a was a breakup uh -huh. and, uh, where after which, where I spent a lot of times listening to Stevie Wonder, mm -hmm. listening to songs in Key of Life in mm -hmm. particular. And, um, I started thinking about other, you know, other songs mm -hmm. and, uh, um, to sort of in the same way that the that album brought back so many memories of that relationship mm -hmm. i needed to think of other songs so mm -hmm. that i could think of mm -hmm. um so i could pull myself out mm -hmm. of the uh you know the, the aftermath the, the <laughs> aftermath and um and i you know I just kind of like an idea jotted down some notes mm -hmm. and one day i happened to be at a holiday party as mm -hmm. it were and uh, met a book editor, um, Clarence Haynes, mm -hmm. and Clarence is like, you, you working on anything? I said, oh, I just got this idea, like, mm -hmm. you know, book, songs in the key of my life. You know, <laughs> you ever heard Stevie Wonder? He's like, I love Stevie Wonder. <laughs> right. And he says, yeah. you know, if you get that, um, if you ever, you know, I want to see it. As soon as you write something down, oh, well, I don't care if it's a table of contents, uh -huh. just a outline and and sure enough, I, I did, and oh, we were able so cool. to work on the project. Yeah. Um, it was it was great. It was yeah. an opportunity to really be uh, self reflect self reflective. Mm -hmm. It was cathartic mm -hmm. in a number of different ways. 
um, uh, I, what I didn't realize at the time going into it mm-hmm. uh, was how um, my mother became a main character mm-hmm. in the book um, just because um, her, her lively personality related to music. So I, one of the um, anecdotes, one of the vignettes is about the Billy Ocean song, Caribbean mm-hmm. Queen. Mm-hmm. And um, I talked about how my mother used to say Billy Ocean was her husband. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, she had just so Smokey Robinson, yeah, so yeah. was Marvin Gaye. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's always this image that sort of st- sticks out in my mind mm-hmm. of her with her very um, thick Haitian accent, mm-hmm. um, just going Caribbean yeah. queen, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And, and you know, and for, for a while, I thought that was a song, Caribbean yeah, yeah. queen, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, stories like that, yeah. I was like, okay, this, you know, there's this, there's this joy, right. um, you know, it's, it sounds cliche, but, um, there is really this sort of joy and a full range of emotions that yes. music pulls um, out of us. Yeah. Um, so that was a great opportunity. I had done um, both in high school and college some uh, not extensive music writing, mm-hmm. um, a couple of album reviews mm-hmm. and um, profiles of artists. And so I was able to tap into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written a fair m- number of uh, personal essays. Mm-hmm. And so that if I, what I often felt that if I wasn't a sports writer, mm-hmm. um, my other genre probably would have been um, memoir or personal essays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of this just came natural. It was like, yeah. okay, this is, I like music. Right. Um, I could tease out stories about um, my everyday life, mm-hmm. and um, it really, it really worked out well. Oh, that, that's amazing. Um, I agree. Like music, it, you know, like you said, it, it may sound cliche, but I think it's the one thing that connects everyone. Is mm-hmm. that you know, for, for me, uh, um my if i were to write a memoir it would be guided by like this is the song you know mm-hmm. this is the song that came out during that time and i remember that summer you know mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever happened mm-hmm. um and that that's been like the the timeline but it connect it connects all of us because it just resonates that emotion it, just everything like some i can think of smells you know what i mean like uh, absolutely the breeze, you know, like, or whatever the weather may have been that day, you know, things like that. When I was on the, uh, doing the book events, uh, for the book, there was my reading, mm-hmm. um, and then whether it was during the sign, you know, uh, book signing portion or just a talk back, mm-hmm. the audience always, I was just, more captivated by the stories that the oh, people wow. would just tell and share mm-hmm. about, you know, songs that meant a lot to them. Right. And so there are at times where I'm like, I'd be sort of in the front <laughs> and go, no, please just <laughs> yeah, say more. Like, sure, this, is, yeah. <laughs> this, this just sounds amazing. Right. Like, right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, that's so cool. Um, yeah. I didn't know that about you. Are there other 
artists that uh, resonate for you or your favorite artists? Um, I have a... S yeah, there, there are a couple artists mm -hmm. that um, take me to different places. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of Haitian compa mm -hmm. uh, musicians mm -hmm. from like the... Uh, big bands from the 70s, um, Tabu Combo, um, Tropicana, mm -hmm. um, or even Kasav. Like whenever uh, I hear those songs, mm -hmm. whenever I hear them, yeah, those artists, um, I'm transported back to mm -hmm. um, my parents' living room mm -hmm. on a mm -hmm. Saturday or Sunday morning. And my dad is sort of um, put on, turned on his stereo mm -hmm. gotten his you know started putting on some records yeah, yeah. and that will just play you yeah. know for four to five hours yeah. straight <laughs> all day um <laughs> or when i was you know i remember on sunday mornings cleaning the house and um those records would be playing in the background mm -hmm. um, um bob marley yeah uh is, is another person is like one of the you know i think first sort of crossover artists mm -hmm. um that my parents um would play in the house mm -hmm. so um there was uh marvin Gaye's what's going on album mm -hmm. in the house mm -hmm. um michael jackson thriller yeah. and so those are <laughs> like those those musicians mm -hmm. um make me um think of home yeah yeah um they're a slew of artists uh a tribe called quest oh, lauren yeah. hill <laughs> yes uh the fujis yeah. uh black sheep mm -hmm. um that remind me of uh being in college mm -hmm. You know, latter half of high school right. being being young and just right. or young in that way mm -hmm. um and feeling as if like you know everything was possible yeah, and you yeah. know there are all these doors mm -hmm. uh, to be left open mm -hmm. um yet to be open right. um and then there are other artists um Ella Fitzgerald, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Sarah Vaughan, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, like, uh, Nina Simone, oh, yeah, in, yeah. Um, in particular, mm -hmm. uh, Cesaria Vora, mm -hmm. uh, who sort of remind me of like um, being at peace. Mm -hmm. um, the feeling of just stepping back and, um, you know, looking into the world. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, all stuff that I love. I love um, all the artists that that you mentioned. I um, and I, I could even share for for myself for for folks who don't know me, but most people know <laughs> that I, that I'm a huge Prince fan. Oh yeah. And uh, I think um, for you know for multiple reasons like i i think probably the biggest reason i think that i really just 
gravitated towards towards his music was just um being being yourself like mm -hmm. to me it you know he had the mm -hmm. audacity mm -hmm. <laughs> to do what he wanted to do and and be what he wanted to be and present himself the way he wanted and you know he he did it and mm -hmm. and uh you know a lot of his music was about yeah self-expression yeah self-expression and and I, I always admired that, you know, it was almost like, I wish I could be that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that same thing. I, every song is probably a timeline of, yep. of, uh, my life. And, um, yeah, it, it really, that resonates for me because, um, again, I think music is a, at least one common thread that, that mm -hmm. everyone experiences in a certain way. Um, and, and it's actually come up in, in some of our previous episodes where we have, um, you, you mentioned writing and, and, uh, uh, you know, sharing your, your story, um, you know, and, and it's interesting to see like, oh, you have a lot of, you know, we have some poets here, we mm -hmm. have musicians, uh, in Yale college and, and again, it's, you know, that common thread that just kind of connects everyone that, that, that's really interesting, um. So I'm wondering, you know, we're kind of jumping back and and I realize we we passed our hour, but I do have a few more questions for you. Um and I wanted to um hear more about uh you know, I know you wear different hats uh here at Yale College, but also outside of Yale College. And so I, I'm curious if all of these uh uh projects that you're involved with and uh the different hats that you wear here at the college, how they influence each other. I've, you know, um, because of all the hats I wear yeah. in college, I've, a, a lot of this stuff that um, I used to be involved in more broadly, mm -hmm. um, you know, this is maybe a, a lesson for some of our students too. <laughs> I've learned to, I've learned to say no. I've yes. learned to pull back <laughs> right. um, from a lot of things mm -hmm. over, over time. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the experiences that, um, professional experiences that uh, I've had, or at least I'm kind of, um, you know, outside of academia mm -hmm. that I've really enjoyed or been um, really influential. In. And um, so uh, there's a point where uh, I gave a lot of thought to um, working on um, in politics or in government and oh. uh, communications. Mm -hmm. um, so I written some op-eds mm -hmm. for um, elected officials. And I really, you know, thought that there was a, a opportunity mm -hmm. um, to kind of do that. Um, I, I don't think as a long-term career, but mm -hmm. definitely um, I was ex exploring stepping away from academia for a period just so that I could yeah. try it, just so I could see right. uh, a different set of experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, the to the degree that I was able to do that, it was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, I got a chance to see a little bit more closely inside of how, you know, sort of the government works, um, both on the local level and on the kind of more broader federal level. Mm -hmm. um, it was an opportunity to meet people who I would not have gotten as a, at that time, most of the work that I was doing was as a 
literature professor. And so as a literature professor, it's, um, you know, it wasn't like every day that I'd be spending a considerable amount of time with urban planners mm-hmm. um, and policy folks, yeah, yeah. Um, for example. And so that, so right. that was really good. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and which I think was, um, continues to be a lot, uh, very influential or, uh, was the work that I did with Nostrum Park. Mm-hmm. Um, like so many people in the early 2000s, I started a blog. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, left, finished graduate school, was working in New York, living in Brooklyn. And I was like, yeah, oh, everybody else has a blog. Right, I need, a, I need, a, I need a blog. And I yes, started yes. this blog, uh, called Nostrum Park, mm-hmm. which just started out with some musings about what I was seeing happening um, around. And then, because um, I was living in um, Prospect Heights and then Crown Heights in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And over time, engaging with other bloggers and just sort of looking at the neighborhood, people just started to say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. the, you can build this thing out a little bit more. Like, what, mm-hmm. are, you, what are you trying to do? So mm-hmm. um, what... Uh, me and a good friend of mine, um, Laurel Brown, um, who came on board and um, as a partner in the project and ended up really um, doing some influ- really great work with it after I left, mm-hmm. um, created this, we're like, what we got finally settled on is the Nostrand Avenue corridor, mm-hmm. at least in the part that we uh, we lived in Crown Heights, mm-hmm. there were these... Uh, uh, you know, it was filled with uh, small businesses, many of whom were um, Caribbean-owned, mm-hmm. um, and the we were very conscious of you know the prospect of incoming gentrification, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. in terms of how it could sort of change right. the the business landscape. And mm-hmm. so we sought to try to tell the story of these uh, Caribbean. Um, shop owners and the kind of this idea that Nostrand Park or sort of Nostrand Avenue is mm-hmm. this um, Caribbean um, corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to get some funding for from small business services. We were able to join a nonprofit incubator mm-hmm. to do some work with the businesses, um, helping promote uh, uh, Laurel Day, this great um uh, district marketing campaign that um, basically were very much similar in the now that we think of pop-ups or um, the the night market right, in right. on um, on Chapel, mm-hmm. or and I guess there's also one on, on Orange. So mm-hmm. she did one of those, um, took an abandoned space, yeah. and and so it was just really amazing work, um, and that project allowed me to see sort of um how quickly like sort of people can galvanize i mean there there are people who who weren't behind the idea there are plenty of people there are plenty of naysayers too but there are plenty of people who just backed it and and were really supportive and how quickly just that level of support um could inspire us and galvanize us um the other thing uh it helped me design thinking was a, a big sort of topic or sort of um, language at the time, but it really helped me think as, as a designer. Yeah. Um, what do our public spaces look like? Mm. Um, how do we want to think about communities? Um, so 
placemaking, mm-hmm. um, kind of design thinking, mm-hmm. those uh, those things, which again, things I mm-hmm. would not have been thinking of as I'm reading a Toni Morrison mm-hmm. or a Gloria Naylor novel, mm-hmm. um, really came to, to life. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated the opportunity to sit with those kinds of ideas mm-hmm. and also uh, engage in something that was kind of different from my day-to-day. Right, right. That's really fascinating. I, I wish we had more time because I'd love to hear, <laughs> I'd love to hear more. Um, but I'll, I'll ask some of my, my final questions for you, um, Ferens, uh, you know, tying this back to uh, all of your experiences, tying them back to your work here with, with uh, students, but also um, uh, with staff, you know, mm-hmm. our colleagues. Um, just wondering if you uh, sort of have a vision of, of what you would like to, uh, well, first, what, what are some of the key challenges that you've seen over the past maybe year or so uh, for students and, and staff? That, that interact with students, but then, um, you know, do you have some ideas in terms of how we can address some of those challenges more effectively uh, in the coming years? And that goes back to um, what I often talk about, the those three pillars, um, a sense of self, a sense mm. of place, and mm-hmm. a sense of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. That changes over time in terms of the the population on a, on a campus, yeah. both both the students, the staff, the um, faculty, mm-hmm. um, and but for me, those are all, always the the grounding questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard being um, a person, mm-hmm. being a college student, mm-hmm. being a parent, mm-hmm. um, being. Uh, a caretaker for your parents right, like you know yeah, um yeah. now i'm not only uh i'm sort of very sort of on pins and needles because mm-hmm. my father's in his 70s right. um so who am i at any given moment mm-hmm. is changing mm-hmm. and i'm afraid of that yeah at yeah. my big age <laughs> yeah. so i could understand and remember how i was afraid and anxious about that mm. Even though I embraced so many of the possibilities mm-hmm. um, when I was 18 to 22, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where am I? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm slowly settling into being in New Haven. Like I said, I lived here for six years as a graduate student. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in my sixth year here. Uh, be, um, my daughter is constantly asking me, are we Connecticans? <laughs> like Connecticans? Like yeah. well, I don't know what the term. <laughs> um, the term? Yeah. So it never um, rolls off the tongue when you say. You yeah. Know. <laughs> so um, so the where am I is um, that settling into, and yeah. I understand sort of why that makes me uneasy at times. Right. Why that makes some students whether they're homesick, yeah. whether they're maybe not homesick, they're just mm-hmm. excited about the about possibility being, of yeah. like, I'm going to leave home. Yes, like, yes. I'm not going to go back <laughs> to my hometown. Right. Like, this is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the sense of responsibility. Mm. Uh, like, what are we called to do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that you grapple with as mm-hmm. an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. 
it's something that you grapple with as a 28 year old a 48 year yeah, old a 58 year old um what am i called to do like yeah. right now i feel like i'm called yeah. to be the best dad that i can be <laughs> exactly. um i tell my students mm -hmm. the same dad jokes that <laughs> i tell uh my daughters right, right. and you know the students cringe just as much as my daughters do so they're yes. like oh my gosh he's, he's at it again right but right. um like at, at, at the core mm -hmm. that's what i feel like i'm really called to do at the moment yeah um so in effect sort of that extends into um uh how i extend myself mm -hmm. to colleagues and students um not in the sense of like wanting to be helpful or or, mm -hmm. or or parent but but more so wanting to create an environment where people can feel uh safe and heard um even if that's not what they always mm -hmm. um, are accustomed to. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I think, and that's an awesome note to leave to leave on. Um, just our our sense of responsibility, and also creating a a safe space for for folks to be who they are or express themselves. And and um, yeah, I think that's a excellent point to to leave on and thank you and uh thank you Ferens. i'm so glad um just really happy to have you today and i can't believe it's taken me this long to get to know you <laughs> hey we've uh, i've enjoyed every project we've been able to collaborate on and Same as here. i said during the conversation i think you speak to so many people through the you know through the things that you've been able to bring out um through the various tech and web projects and um I think you're definitely one of the uh, affirming voices oh, in, in Yale College. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, so, Ferens, again, um, we'll wrap up now. We, you know, we, we, I wish I had two hours with you because <laughs> um, it's really fascinating just to hear about your your experiences over the years. And and um, again, I really appreciate everything you shared with us today, and I, I appreciate your time today. It's been a really um, just enriching conversation. I, I said this to uh, Daisy Abreu, who was uh, my first guest on, on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, literally, I could hear music in my head, uh, you know, as we were talking about artists. But, you know, just hearing about your experiences. Uh, yeah, it was, it, I, I just wish we had more time to, to talk about uh, stuff. So maybe there's a part two somewhere in there, <laughs> <laughs> if you'll ever do it again. Um but no, uh, Ferens, I'm sure that the students, uh, they, they show your their appreciation for, you know, just everything that you've done um, uh, over the years and, and um, you know, the, the contributions you've made to, to our uh, student life here has is, is been amazing. Um, so just thank you so much for, you know, all of the insights that you shared today and, and, and some of the stories that you had to share with us. Um, I don't know if you have just any uh, final things that you that you'd like to say or sh or share with our, our listeners. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, I've enjoyed our conversation. I've enjoyed listening to uh, um, the conversations uh, with previous guests, and I'm thank looking you. forward to uh, subsequent seasons of the podcast. Thank you. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Farron. So 
Uh, we'll wrap up the episode today. I, I always plug with, you know, you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And we're also on Instagram. So look for us, uh, uh, Yale College Voices. And please like, share, follow, you know, <laughs> share with your friends, you know, share with our, our staff. Um, and again, uh, you know, just thank you for, for this conversation today. And, and it's been wonderful. So um, we'll sign off from here.